It's time for Knox Talk, a behind-the-scenes look at the business side of college sports. Featuring Paul Sickman from Knox Sports and Brandon Parks from the Vol Network. Now for today's show. Welcome to another edition of Knox Talk Live here with Knox Live and in person. Live and in person as we are together, uh, crazily enough, for another episode. Today is Wednesday, the 29th of March, and today we are going to talk about agencies, which one of your favorite topics. It's the only topic. I'm not sure why we don't do this absolutely every single week and just shamelessly plug Knox Sports on a weekly basis, but we don't. But I'm here with Brandon, so he's here being very nice to me, so we're going to talk about agencies today. So, Brandon, it's it's a obviously something I've done for a living now for 27 years, and I feel very strongly about it, but you said something to me that kind of triggered it. You're the reason we did this one. You said that a long time ago, um, you used to deal with traditional agencies. It was part of your world. You did it, and then, but recently, you looked at your client list, and you don't have a lot of traditional agencies left. Why do you think that is? Um Specialization, to me, has a lot to do with it. Uh, when, when you think about the role that a traditional agency had 20 years ago, a lot of that was built around really a couple things. Creative, helping clients with the creative process. Right. But then also helping in place with media buys, with w- what they're actually placing in the market, whether that was radio, television, newspaper, billboard, et cetera. We were just part of the mix. And we were part of that mix. But I think as time's evolved, sports, certainly the sports marketing landscape is much more complex than it's ever been before, mm-hmm. as far as the assets that we represent and we talk about day to day. And I think traditional agencies have become much more specialized. And in, in theory, you were probably ahead of the game 25 plus years ago when, when you made the decision to specifically work in the college sports pro sports space in that niche. Yeah, we were the only ones that did it. Um, we were literally the first company in the country that did this, and this was all we did. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I also think there's been some evolution where clients seem to do things maybe a little bit more in-house than they used to, mm-hmm. um, and hiring specialty departments um, that, that work on marketing and creative uh, and advertising and those kinds of things. But um, there, there has been an evolution and a change. Um, and I think it's probably going to continue to change going forward. So here, here's the crux of the issue with it, that, that we and how we sell ourselves, but I think it's really the same thing that you deal with when you negotiate, and is that it's all about evaluation, negotiation, and execution. Those are the three things that you have to do. How is it even possible for a traditional agency to properly evaluate a sports deal? It's not. That's just the truth. A traditional agency... 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, you just said it. They used to evaluate based on one thing, impressions. Right. And ratings, I guess two things, but they both mean the same thing. And so it's just a brand only buy and they could deliver this much and this number. And that was it. That was the end of the expertise. So as clients evolved and they went beyond branding and sports still does great at branding, but they went beyond branding and said, hey, we need to do more. And this deal should accomplish our actual business goals. We have this much money to spend. We need to have this many people come into our restaurant. We need to have this many people go online and check us out. We have this many people that give us information so that we can go solicit them. As those real life goals that impacted their business became a reality, 
those traditional agencies had no idea, number one, what to ask for, and number two, how to evaluate the things that were put in front of them. And so a client was lost if they, if, if they were using a traditional agency. So it, it's, uh, that, that's, I think, what the answer is, is that you, you said it right at the end of that question. That's where I want to dive for a second, is that you said there are only three people that can make this decision, right? If you go to somebody, you're either pitching the client and their decision maker, you're pitching a traditional agency, and then you've got to probably create a 50-page PowerPoint that talks about impressions, or you go to a sports marketing agency, and that process goes incredibly quick because in that process, you they know what you want, you know what they want, and you're able to get creatively to the finish line, right? Well, and I think the specialty of what Knox Sports brought to the table then and even today still is the understanding of the media value, the return on investment, the key performance indicators, all the things that make a successful sports sponsorship, you can value that, but then you also embrace the affinity part of college sports. The reason why people are engaged in college sport, it's the love and passion that these fan bases have for their respective schools. Utilizing the IP for more than just the IP, saying I own the property, no one else can have it. It's more about I own the property and I'm going to do this to make that person change a habit. Exactly. And, and, and probably the whole discussion around ROI 15 years ago, how do we evaluate right. sports sponsorships? What are the key performance indicators that say it is worth a six figure investment to, to buy this sponsorship from uh, Florida state university? That whole discussion came about, I don't know if the industry was really good back then in answering that question. And, and I think that's probably a question that's been posed to a lot of agencies from clients. Right. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this with this school. Can, can you show me how it's working? And, and, and how, how am I evaluating it from a numbers standpoint? You know, and they well, lost that, that game. They lost the game yeah. over and over again then because they, when they were asked that question 20 years ago, 10 years ago yesterday, they can't because the impression-based model will not work because it's, we face it, the stuff that you sell and I buy is more expensive. Right. Right, right, and, and so yeah. unless you're at Super Bowl numbers, <laughs> which yeah. okay, they're charging three and a half million dollars for a spot, so even maybe that's not worth it. But unless you're doing that, that 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 model, that old impression-based model, is a failed model. If you're at, that's why you're buying sports, right? And I, I do think, as the industry as a whole, we're making ground up in what has become very important to companies. That's data, right? what how far down can we drill on our fan base and their habits that's talked about more and more and more and so so we as an industry we as learfield we've got to be able to supply our clients with that kind of feedback and that kind of information because you know with a client you're representing if an empty nester at age 62 is a target market you can find them I can find them and I need to be able to tell you what, how, what they represent within my fan base and how we're going to be able to market directly to them. And so our marketing approach is much more specialized than it ever was before. But, and this is, and you nailed it. This is why sports is different is that if your target is 55 to 70 year old men, great sports will get them because of that block team. We all, they yeah. care enough about that entity. Now, if you go go in the parking lot and look for that age group or just send a blank statement or a blank Facebook ad to that age group and you're going to lose, they're not going to answer the question. They don't care. Right. But if they care about sports, 
and they care about the affinity for that brand, whatever that brand is, whether it's the, the Hoosiers, the Bears, or the Balls, the affinity for that brand will make that person react. And then we have a chance to change their habit. And you're right, data capture is huge. Data in general is huge. The finding of people is huge. The using social networks to find them is huge. All of these things that sports agencies understand. And ultimately, again, it's getting back to what does the client really want and what they really want changed. Yeah. And to go along with that, the other thing that I think is changing is that we are becoming more of a 12-month year-round program. Right. And college can do that. And college can. It's a unique advantage for college. Right. Um, when you truly look at on-field activity from late August through baseball ends, what, the end of June? You hope. So, so you for got, you guys have a month or two earlier than you wanted. Well, or, or well, week or two earlier at least, yeah. Yeah, there was a jab in there somewhere. <laughs> um, but we, but content is keen. And our ability to generate content that's engaging on a 12-month calendar is a, is a much larger marketing opportunity than if we are talking about a football only sponsorship that runs from Labor Day through Thanksgiving. We just, I mean, just this week, um, presented a sponsorship proposal to a hospital. And in that proposal, one of the things that they liked the most was the off season health report. It was a, no. in a quiet time, you know, it wasn't in the middle of August through December, it was the off-season health report, and then a year-round, once a month, get back in the game feature. Cool. Right. Yeah. Which is, it's talking yeah. about a positive content creation, which gives them what they're looking for, which is that association of getting back. And so, again, to your point, it, a university relationship delivering a year-round opportunity for a client that's, that, that needs that and, and can't get it by just buying an institutional ad on a network. That's what sports does, and they do it better than anybody. And that's what the frustration for us from our end when we're trying to sell ourselves is if you are that person, and I know you can be honest to be, you don't have to be, but you might want to be. If you're selling to a single entity, an in-house CEO, and that lady is sitting in that chair, there is a good chance that the only thing she's exposed to is Tennessee sports, right? Right. So if that person decides to branch out and do something at Louisville or something in Kentucky, They've seen your pitches, but they really don't know what those pitches are worth. They don't know the back-end value because the only thing they've ever seen is you. Right. So you love that client <laughs> because that client that makes a decision may be too much based on their ego and their fandom, but they have no chance because they're in a vacuum of evaluating properly. They just can't. An in-house decision maker doesn't have a realistic chance of evaluation. And, oh, by the way, they don't have anyone else out there that gives a global perspective on things, on best practices. And so for you, it's okay. I love that in-house decision maker. They say yes every time. They come to games. I take care of them. All those things you can do and you do very, very well. But our perspective is frustrating because we know that we can do better for that person. We know that, number one, we can probably save them some money. And number two, we're going to give them creativity and breadth of content that they never would have thought of on their own. And oh, by the way, we know what everything's worth they're being pitched, but it's frustrating for us because that single decision maker is still probably the majority of clients. They are. Um, and, and what you're talking about, we talk, we've talked about this in the past, the economies of scale, market size, you yeah. know, all, all of our universities exist in different cities across the United States and, and each of those geographies and those states represent different marketplaces. And, 
and it doesn't always flush itself out evenly across every category at every school. Right. A lot of it can be the economics of the specific state that it's in. And certainly, if I was trying to to look at buying multiple markets, multiple schools, I'm probably in a lot better shape taking advice from you, counsel from you, recommendations from you on how to look at those states. Because I simply don't know. Right. You don't know what you don't know. And you're trying, and you think everything is what you live in. Right. right. Yeah. 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 And and so and then you go and then we've already you know we kind of beat it to death. But the traditional agency model, again, they have they have not created divisions or they have the ability to be a specialty and understand sports. So again, they're still going to try to put you in that old model. They're still going to try to, to fit you in that old box. Uh, and so you don't even like that as much anymore. I probably 20 years ago, you could fool them. 10 years ago, you could fool them, right? You could create an impression model that would make it work. Uh, and then year over year, the hardest thing about renewing a brand centric client is that it doesn't necessarily always speak to their goals and objectives. And so a brand centric client, when they go away, is painful because they were the greatest deal you did, right? You do a deal and they're brand centric. They're buying your signage, they're buying LED. They're not doing anything but throwing their logo up there. And that's what they do. And then when they go away, you don't even have a seat at the table to say, look how I changed your business because all you've got is this old model. That's right. And to that point, I think one of the most important conversations we have in our business is when we take a client from year one to year two, if we, if we can get someone to buy into us and give us a second year, I really believe in that snowball model. Just because we put that logo up for one football season, that doesn't mean the floodgates just immediately open. It's, it's, It's the discussion around frequency and visibility and association. And the more that the brand's in front of the fans, the more they become part of the presentation. And then therefore our fans are much more uh, probably going to react and engage with the client, with the brand. Uh, so you do, that's a part of your life. You'll take a claim, even if the, the deal didn't change, you're going to try to educate them from year one to year two about how to change their use of the IP. Yes. Yeah, because uh, hey, if, if we're doing our job, every conversation is a long-term conversation, right? Because you want to build those long-term lasting relationships. Um, that's, that's what's best for the brand. And right. it's also what's best for the schools that we represent. Right. Um, so yeah. So I, you're even aware you're thinking right now, Hey, if I have a company out there that all they're doing is this just a complete brand centric deal, I've got to, at the very least, talk to them about how they're using, we hope their IP, if they pay for IP, we got to talk to them a little bit about how they extend that in the marketplace so that they feel like it made a point of difference to their, to their company. Because ultimately, if the balls go five and seven, we don't want them to go away because that had nothing to do. Correct. Right. That's I mean, right. And, and that's what happens sometimes with these ego buys and these traditional agency yeah. buys is that your on-field performance, which should matter not at all, honestly, especially in the collegiate environment where you got 10 sports to choose from, they can always latch onto a winner somewhere. I mean, even in your darkest times, you still had seven great sports, you know? I right. mean, so it, it's just, you have to, that's where it's kind of, it, you have to turn it around. You have to take that brand centric piece and say, I've got to, I almost have to convert you to keep you. Yeah. I mean, and then it also goes back to the conversation of just do what's right for the client. Right. What, what What's the best possible outcome for the client and help them get there. Right. That's it's, our, that's it, our it, job. Instead that's of thinking about it there the opposite way, which is what is the most money I can get from the client? Right. Most money I can get for a very short amount of time until they cancel and then they're gone. Right. And then you both lose. Exactly. Yeah. 
so when you talk about an evaluation and talk about a renewal, so we have a, you know, a couple examples um, that I was going to talk about. I mean, we have a furniture store in Tampa that we've talked about before. They base their entire basis for doing sports is to drive bodies into their furniture store. Okay. And so they evaluate in store, store in store traffic. And you say, okay, what does that look like? Well, they, they have a relationship with the Rays, who are traditionally a terrible baseball team, but they've turned it around the last five, six years, which has been awesome. Um, relationship with the Bucks, relationship with USF at a certain point, relationship with the Lightning. Each season, they give us a goal and it has a performance-based piece inside there. But those goals, we're talking about traditionally between 20,000 and 50,000 people per season that walk into a furniture store, okay? And it's a third-party relationship where you walk into the store, which it's like, you know, kind of like cars. You don't really want to walk into a furniture store if you're not planning on buying something. Right. It's, but, but these people are walking into a furniture store. They go to the customer service counter. They give all their information. In return, they get a third-party piece, like a donut or a Tijuana Flats or a something. It's a, a, you know, a food item. At the end of the day, they're walking in. That evaluation is easy. Right. I mean, it's yeah. black and white. So renewing them is not an is not an issue because every single year we know exactly what that number is and that that performance. Now, what does that mean for the club? So when I'm working with you, I say, OK, Brandon, the goal is 20,000 people. You and I both know that if we're halfway through the season and we're at 5000 people. The inventory is going to change. Right. <laughs> because yeah. you're going to say, I, I want you to work, too. I want this thing to be. And, and no one's better at this than you are is saying. Okay, what do we have to do to get to that finish line? And you're going to use all the different tools. It may not be in the contract, but you right. know what the goal is. Right. Yeah, right? We, you're, 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 you're with us on that in this process. It's not a them and us. It's a let's get to the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, one, we should feel like as the property working with the furniture store that, that we are an extension or a brand extension of their marketing team. Right. That we're invested as much as they are. Right. And we're there to help them achieve those goals. And you're right. If you get to a certain point in the game that we're playing and we need to ramp up efforts or we need to look at alternate changes, yeah, we need to figure that out. Right. It's it it can't be so black and white and stringent that you can't you can't have alterations in the game. Sometimes strategies change. And this is again where from an agency perspective, you would like a partner in that, right? I mean, you 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 could be the Lone Ranger. The, you know, this person can call you, let's say it's, it's a single entity at the person that be at the, at the store or a traditional agency calls you and says, it's not working. And that's the end of the conversation. It's not working very well. We're failing right now because the, whatever matrix that we had, whatever number, whatever delta we had to get to, we're not getting there. So if that's the case and they just give you that one-sided conversation, you're a little bit stuck. You're going to try some things, but you're a little bit stuck. You'd much rather have... That's a lonely island. Of it is. And so you, at the very least, you'd like a BMO that, you know, or a CMO at that company that you could talk through ideas that, hey, what kind of, what can you do? What kind of creative can you, because I can put it here and I can go here with it and I can do some direct media and I can do some social campaigns. I can do some, and, and so you have that bounce, you know, um, you need that. And that's where, a, you know, a sports marketing agency certainly has that expertise to say, okay, you know, we did this at Cal and we did this at Texas Tech. And you know, let's, can we try something like that here? Yeah, and, and the uniqueness of the sports marketing agency is it's almost a translator, right? Because you know the language of the of the sports marketing world as a whole, and and all of the intricacies and assets and all those kinds of things. 
but then you also have the language of the client and what the goals and objectives are there. Right. And so that two-way conversation back and forth really is the conduit to success. And you have to have it because, you, again, you're an island, right? And you've got 100 other clients to take care of. Oh, and yeah. so, you know, your inventory is not unlimited. <laughs> right, right. And so you need to have some help to say, how do I get to the finish line? I have these three tools. Yeah. So back to practicality. So Brandon, in your world right now, I mean, how many, you personally, you probably have, how many accounts are you on your portfolio? Manage 40. 40. Out of those 40, how many are, just guess, how many are single decision maker, sports agency of some kind, or traditional agency? What's the breakdown? Um, we're going to be 30 single decision maker. Mm -hmm. um, and, then, and then we're going to be eight to 10 agency. Okay. And then there's not many sports agencies out there. So you probably don't have but a couple, couple, couple. And for a renewal perspective, what worries you the most? Probably does the agency discussions. Yeah. And what goes into those and so how do you, okay, so you have, you're dealing with a traditional agency. How do you educate, first of all, it's probably turnover, so you have to worry about that, right? You, yeah. <laughs> but how that do happens. you educate your traditional agency rep and the client to try to get them on the same goal page that you are? Well, one, there has to be communication and dialogue throughout the entire sponsorship process, mm -hmm. Okay. Because I think once an agreement is in place in principle, that to me is when the work really begins. Right. And so as you go through a season of activation, I think it's really important that the client know and see how active you are with their brand, their activation, and their goals. So okay. you've got to get through that traditional agency to get to the client so they can see directly what's happening. Well, I'm, I'm it, you know, there's the way that those conversations take place can be different account mm -hmm. to account. Right. There's some, there's some relationships where you only speak with the agency. Right. Okay. Then there's others where you have communication with the agency and also the client. Okay. And sometimes that can be the most complex because we've got to get everyone on the same page of what we're trying to accomplish. Right. Um, regardless if it's direct with agency or agency plus client, we try to do a really good job of, of staying, having an open line of communication to keep the client, the agency informed of everything we're doing from a week to week basis so that they can see their brand in play. Great example. Tennessee baseball just completed their first home series mm -hmm. of the season. We have some new partners on backstop led. Uh, what's one of the great things about backstop TV visible signage. When you hit a home run, that immediately goes on to social media from the school's accounts. Mm -hmm. And if one of the new partners happens to be up on that social media post, that is a great touch point with a client. Right. All you're doing is sending them a link to a tweet. Right. And then there's thousands of impressions that go behind that. And, and you can see the brand play at work. I think it's important that client agencies alike know how hard we work behind the scenes to make a lot of these things happen. When I get to, when I get to the recap discussion, I don't want there to be any surprises. Right. Because, Other than the good surprises. Right. Yeah. Um, but I want to know. We bonus you this much. From week one to month one to season one, that we're walking the ball down the field with the client and the agency every step of the way. Mm -hmm. And then we can adjust as we need to. We can pivot as we need to and be agile. But it, it goes back to the old saying that uh, our general manager here, Steve Early, has said for many, many years. 
They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's right. That's and right. that matters. No, it does. You guys do a great job of it here. But I, I will say it's it's a frustration. Um, we did this episode just to kind of point that out again. If you are a, a single decision maker out there and you are alone and you are trying to make an evaluation, a negotiation and an execution on your own, find some help. Find some expert help. Do that right away because it's going to make your deal better. It's going to save you some money. And it's going to help you in the long run. So that's a shameless Knox Sports plug on our podcast that we have not done for three and a half years, but it's needed because there's just too many clients out there that are doing bad deals, and we're here to help you. So anyway, I'm, I'm Paul Sigman. We are live from Knoxville together, Brandon Parks and I. The sound is perfect because we are together in the same room, and it's lovely. So thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you again next time.